get a thousand no's for one yes and be fine with that. I know it's kind of, it's it's easy for me to say now because it was hard when I was doing it. Like, oh, this really sucks. Everyone keeps saying no to me. But there's a hundred people, a hundred thousands of people that are also experiencing the same thing. Hello, everyone. My name is Connie. I am one of Steph's mentees, and I also help with Simply Heard social media. Today, Steph and I will be interviewing Crystal Cardenas, who is a learning and development professional who formerly worked with Steph at Box. In this episode, we learn about Crystal's start in her professional career and where she is now. She also gives us insight on what it's like as a Latinx woman in the workforce, as well as how she gives back to her community. We will also get to hear some advice from Crystal on how to climb the ladder of success and how to optimize your opportunities in the professional field. So without further ado, here's Crystal Cardenas. Hello, my name is Crystal Cardenas and I'm a learning delivery partner at Facebook. Yeah, um, thank you, Crystal, for joining us for today's um, episode of Simply Heard. Um, do you want to go over like how you got started with your career at Facebook and also like maybe go into context about what you did prior? Um, also, just to briefly mention, I have my mentee, um, Connie, <laughs> with me today, and we're going to be interviewing Crystal just on her career and also anything that she feels comfortable sharing with the audience and any insight she has. I'm happy to share that. My career started, it, it, it wasn't linear, as most careers are not linear, um, but my journey started in college when I decided to go to um, university. I had no plans initially to go. I came from a family of immigrants who did not go and pursue higher education, so I didn't feel the need to do that myself. And it wasn't until some friends of mine and uh, even people within my own family were like, you, you really should pursue going to higher education and getting a, um, a degree. It'll help you. But we didn't know how, but I was like, okay, I trust you guys. So I'm going to go do that. And um, I got, I applied to a couple of schools, decided to stay in the Bay Area, went to San Jose State, where I studied Spanish and international relations. That was a lot of fun, though I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just studying something that I really had fun learning about. Um, and then I met a couple of people along the way who gave me a reality check and told me, you actually need to do much more than just getting straight A's to do well outside of college. And that kind of hit me like a brick wall. Like, what? I thought getting A's was all I had to do. That's what my parents told me what to do. And so I scrambled, I think, my sophomore year to find ways to get involved. Um, and it really gained that experience that many people were telling me about and that I would see my peers do where they were getting internships and all these things. And so I sought out an organization called Brayman at San Jose State, and they dedicate their time to helping first-generation students like myself find experiences and develop their skill set to do well once they graduate. And so I spent some time with them. I volunteered. I was a fellow with them as a student. I later volunteered for them. I later became an intern with them. And their work heavily revolved around learning and development. At the time, I didn't know that that profession could exist in corporate, um, but I was just having a good time with them. 
after I did my internship with them, I joined Teach for America and was also doing learning and development work with them as an intern. But still, it wasn't clicking for me that I could do this at a large organization um, like the ones I ultimately ended up joining. And so when I graduated, I joined Box as the Global Executive Recruiting Coordinator. And that was a really interesting role to have because I got to see how different executives perform in their roles, what is expected of these executives, and what makes an organization truly successful. And that was really interesting to me, and it kind of sparked something in me to seek more work and experience within organizational development, talent development. And so when the opportunity came to move into that team at Box, I immediately raised my hand. And I moved into that team where I became the director of a global learning program that reached our offices in Japan, Australia, Canada, all throughout the United States, where we delivered a range of different training, compliance training, leadership training, everything that you can imagine I was the director of. I also had the opportunity to facilitate something that I really love doing uh, and, and coach individuals within the organization and receive coaching myself from those on my team and people that I would meet with, leaders that I would advise and and whatnot. And so my journey continued uh, this, it's continuing now, but I ended up moving into Facebook this year and to seek out a broader um, scope and a a bigger, larger group of people that I I would have the opportunity to work with, uh, still within learning and development. And the role is not so, so different, but it is a different type of impact in that the learning and development work that I'll do now is very tied to the product design, the policies we have in place as a company, uh, and has a direct impact on the community. So I'm really excited to grow in that One of my very first managers that I had as an intern the most, like one of the most amazing managers ever. Her name's Leslie. And she was my manager when I was at an internet Raven. And one of the things that I, I learned a million things with her, but one thing that really sticks out to me that helped me once I became a full-time employee was the performance review that she did with me. And so I was wrapping up my internship and I was walking into my performance review. I was nervous. I was like, oh my God, I'm doing this now as an intern. I'm going to have to do this as a full-time employee. This is horrible. And I was walking in so nervous to it. But then when I sat down with her, she just made it seem so calm and welcoming. And she did something unique that I would encourage all managers to do is to allow your employees to keep their power. And that's something that she did with me. She sat me down, talked about all my strengths. She talked about what opportunities I had, but at no point did she ever take that power away from me. And that was a really unique experience because I carried that with me into um, the performance reviews that I would later have as a full-time employee. And I would remember what she would tell me, like, you're owning your power, you keep your power, I'm just going to tell you how great you are, but also remind you of opportunities, but you ultimately have the power to own your career. And so 
I would remember that when I went into my career conversations later on. And it helped me tremendously. She was also really data-driven and I would see how she would track her performance. And I also carried that with me whenever I went, whenever I've gone into performance reviews, I bring all the data, all the reasons why I am exceeding and all the reasons why I have opportunities to grow and my asks. I make it very clear whenever I talk about my career with my managers, I let them know what I want, when I need it and why. And so I, I definitely learned that from her. To build off on that, do you have concrete tips on how to go about it? Because I know you mentioned um, like speaking up and like putting your hand up whenever that director um, like program thing came up a box. Um, that's interesting for me because like I've known you at Box and, you know, it's nice for me to like learn something outside of, you know, technical support. Mm. I think there's um, there's many ways that you can go about it. I, I would say that for anyone who's who still feels like they're starting out and and how to ask for what they need and and going into these career conversations, I would encourage people to do a little bit of reflection of why that matters to you, um, because it's it's very easy to go into these conversations and say I need this promotion or I need you to assign me this project because of this reason or um, I know that I exceeded for these reasons and. It's, it's, it's easy to do that, I would say, but you need to understand why that's important to you. Like to me, I did a little bit of soul searching and I'm like, why is this important to me? Like, why is it important for me to exceed? I mean, obviously I want to keep my job, but like, is there another reason why? And I'm like, okay, I, I know why now. Like I love learning. Like learning is so important to me. I love having that growth mindset within me. I like seeing other people have growth mindset and have them discover it on their own too. Um, and, and one of the main things that I also carried with me in that self-discovery was I really like to move missions forward. And so when you do go into these conversations, do a little bit of reflection of why these asks are important to you and, and write them down and use that language when you talk to your manager or to leaders that you're, um, having these performance conversations with, of this is why it matters to me and I want to move your mission forward or I care about this because as a woman of color, like this is really, this is part of my values. So yeah, I would encourage that self-reflection. And then of course, always, always have your data, always have the people that you worked with, the metrics that you were able to achieve, um, bring all of that with you and organize it and present it to them in a really clear and organized way so that they really can see like, okay, Crystal definitely came with the data. She came with the why this makes sense. So that's kind of what I would encourage. No, that's amazing. Um, I'm just like learning as well. Um, I know that you talked about like being a woman of color. Um, if you want to elaborate on that, like you can go as, you know, far as you want, as far as like, you know, college or high school, because I know, like, obviously, like, I'm Asian. And so like, you know, discrimination and like, you know, the gender inequality, like pay wage that obviously exists for like women. And also, I feel like, you know, adding color to it, um, that just like compounds it. Um, have you like experienced any of that? You can share like what you're comfortable with. Um, but I just wanted to like, see. Um, yes, I have a lot to say about that. Um, I'm pulling up a link right now that I was discussing with my sister last night, actually. It's exactly on this topic. I just want to make sure I have the 
the data points correct. Um, it is facts about pay gap for uh, Latinas. So um, I would say when I was starting out, I was very misinformed about what the pay gap was, what it meant for me, what it went, meant for my um, peers, what it meant for women in general, and how that compared to men. Uh, and so I was coming in really like just not informed and I kind of went along with it with what I was offered at the time, which was not meeting the value that I was bringing. And so with, with what I was offered at the time, I was just going with it. Right. And I just assumed that as a corporation, they would, I would trust them enough to pay me what I was worth. And so I started learning a lot about the pay gap and there were some interesting things that I learned um, over the course of these past three years that I didn't know when I was starting off. I know people had mentioned it, but I didn't know the details of it. I'm like, oh, what are the, you know, people are talking about this pay gap, but what are the details of it? And so I found organizations that would call me like groups of women that would like get together and call me and ask me like, how much are you making? And I thought that question was so like, well, like, don't ask me about that. And then I thought about like, why am I so like shut down when you ask me that? I don't know why. Maybe it's a cultural thing. Maybe it's just because no one talks about money because it's bad. So like, I wouldn't talk about it. And then I got more comfortable with these organizations and these groups of women that I started telling like, hey, I'm making this much. And how much are you making? And how do I ask for a, a bump? Like, negotiation what is that and so we would have all these conversations and after I learned some of these data points which I'll read two of them here so on average Latinas in the U.S. are paid 45 percent less than white men and 30 percent less than white women Latinas uh, will make 55 cents to the dollar white women will make 79 cents to the dollar that every white man earns and I did not know that and this starts pretty early on from the age of 16, since Latinas are paid less than white boys at that same age, that gap only grows uh, as they grow older. And I'm quoting this from an organization called leanin.org. They are the organization that introduced me to this. I went to one of their workshops and when they showed me this, I was like, oh my God, what? <laughs> I was blown away. And so, um, Learning all of this was pretty eye-opening, and I would encourage those who are interested in the financial wellness of women um, to really seek out these data points and understand them and see how it translates into their own experience as a woman, um, because it is a significant gap that I don't believe ha it has not been addressed. Um, and so I would say as I learned this, I started to have more conversations with my leadership and I did see some movements, um, but I would say there needs to be a, a stronger assessment of the market rate when you're doing the, having these conversations. So when you're going to have these conversations, take a look at the market. How does it compare to how you're getting paid? LinkedIn premium has, is a really good tool to see like, okay, this job pays this much oh my gosh, that job is like the same thing that I'm doing, but they're getting paid way more. So you can do those comparisons, especially in the location that you're at, because the location that you're at will also influence how much you're paid. And so 
when I was going ready, uh, getting ready to interview, uh, well, when I was interviewing and the times that I did get to offer stages, which were a couple of times um, throughout this experience, I took that market data and really used that to have these conversations. And I always made it a priority to have a minimum amount, a mid and a maximum. And these were the three numbers that I would stick with. And I would always go for the highest number, no matter what. Even if I thought, oh, wait, maybe I'm not like, you know, maybe they shouldn't pay me this much. I don't care. I'm going to put that voice aside and I'm going to say, I would like to start at this amount and don't say anything else. Just let the recruiter say their whatever they're going to say and just don't say anything else. And they're going to, they might try to negotiate with you and be like, oh, we can only start you this much. And if they, if they do say that and it's a mid number, then you can entertain the conversation and be like, okay, like I can explore the interview, see what it's like. Um, it, it, my, it, it, this is negotiable. And then just stop there. And that has worked wonders. I learned that from a good friend of mine. And I can tell you now that it opened up so many doors and it, it helped me reclaim this financial power that many women don't claim. And I think a lot of it is because as women, we, I think there's many of us who, and I'm guilty of this as well, who have thought, oh, maybe I'm not worth that much, or maybe I need to gain more experience before they pay me that much. And so you need to put that voice in the back of the car and keep it back there because it's not serving you. And at the end of the day, and I say this to all my friends and all the women who have reached out to me for advice, no one cares about your growth and no one will do anything about your growth unless you do. You are the only person that can really make the biggest impact on your career. And I say that with full confidence and I will always stick by that because a lot of, while a lot of people have mentored me and coached me and I do um, give my thanks to them and I'm grateful for them, a lot of the career success that I've had is, is a, in big part due to my willingness to learn and my willingness to ask for what I need. And so I would just encourage people to really reflect on that and take, take that power back. The power is already within you. You just need to take ownership of it and don't let anyone else say, Oh, you're not ready yet. Oh, um, actually, yeah, I, I agree with Steph. It's amazing. And as a college student, I, I actually had no idea about like the negotiation process and all of that. Um, I wanted to know if you had any like tips on like during the negotiation process, if there's a way to like be more assertive about it, because I know like a lot of college students starting out, they won't know anything about it. And then like ways to like not be smaller than the the negotiate uh, the the hiring manager because I know like sometimes uh, your voice be becomes like smaller than theirs and like you end up like not agreeing or or like you just end up just agreeing with them because they're dominating the conversation and you can't you feel like you can't say anything. Do you have any tips on like being more assertive in that sense? Um, I will be honest that when I when I graduated and was interviewing. I, especially because of my background where I, no one in my family had gone through these type of tech interviews before and 
had to answer these behavior and technical questions. Like no one in my family did that. I had friends who were involved in organizations that did, and they gave me advice, but I came in like, Oh, I'm just going to figure this out. And it was hard. I, after every interview that I had, I would sit down and cry on the floor. And I don't, I don't really tell anyone that, but it's true. Like I would have these really tough interviews and I would just sit down and cry. And my mom would ask me like, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I think it went well, but these, these negotiation conversations, it's weird. It's hard to have them. And they're, I don't know that they're designed to be easy. I think they should be easier. Um, but if I would give some advice to college students graduating, um, especially women graduating, I would encourage you to make a list of all the things that are fantastic about you, the things that you know you're good at. You have emotional intelligence. You have, uh, I don't know, maybe you know how to use Adobe Creative Cloud or you um, know how to manage projects or you are really good at building relationships. Write all of those down and think about stories where you know you did that really well and remember them when you're going into these conversations. And again, you have also the project of building out that minimum, mid and max um, scale of, of how much you want to earn, bring that with you as well. And if you're doing this virtually, I would encourage you to place that number right in front of you when you're doing your phone call and having these, um, negotiation conversations. And when you're having them, just let the air be open, have the person that you're talking to say what they have to say. And when you respond to them, keep it short, sweet to the point this is how much I'd like to make. I would like to discuss that with you. And thank them. Thank them for the opportunity for speaking with you. Thank them for taking the time and show that gratitude. It means a lot to recruiters. I worked with recruiters for well over a year and it means a lot to for candidates to express that gratitude and thanks. And so I would encourage you again, to make that list of the things that, you know, you're good at. Think of the stories and when that, of when you really showed those skills, bring your financial data points and be short, sweet, and to the point when you have these conversations and give yourself some forgiveness because there's, you're probably going to get more no's than yeses. That's just the way that things work in this industry. You get a thousand no's for one yes. And be fine with that. I know it's kind of, it's, e it's easy for me to say now because it was hard when I was doing it. Like, oh, this really sucks. Everyone keeps saying no to me. But there's a hundred people, a hundred thousands of people that are also experiencing the same thing. And you just need to know that every single person that says no to you is allowing you the opportunity for someone amazing to say yes to you. And just remind yourself of that. Whenever they say no to you, sorry, you missed out on something great, but thank you for saying no to me because someone greater is going to say yes to me. And who knows, you might end up working for that person again in the future. So keep those relationships and, you know, network because a lot of the way things work in this industry is if you network with individuals and um, really establish strong relationships and those allies who will vouch for you when it comes time to.
I was going to say plus 1000 because I know um, like even when I was at Box, when I knew you, like we worked in separate locations. I'm in Austin, Texas, but I did that book, <laughs> Global Book Club um, and partnered with you. And that's how we sort of started talking. And I could say the same thing with like other people that I worked with at Box. Um, I was willing to get out of the, you know, my day to day with just doing the support work. And um, even now at Zoom, like I didn't know like what was going to transpire, but Zoom's just getting started with the ERG groups. And now I'm like working back with Box and like another mentee I mentored um, at Box when she was starting as like um, a product support specialist because I, you're probably familiar with Amber. Amber, oh my God, I'm sorry. Um, my brain is just farting out this morning. But um, Amber, um, she basically is like one of the like leads for uh, the API ERG at Box. And so it's nice to see how this is like weaving together because you just never know. And I totally plus 1000 percent with what you mentioned because I've seen like even promotions and stuff, people think, oh, it's like the day-to-day -day where you, you just hit all your quota or your numbers, you'll get promoted. It's like, yeah, like that could happen, but usually like what really stands out. And if you want to like switch industries or switch positions later outside your own department, what I find um, empowering as well is if you have those connections, because people recognize you and they can see that you can just do more than just your daily job. Um, I don't know. Would you say that was the same experience for you too? Because like, um, like we both connected and we're in totally like different, you know, areas of work. Yeah, I would say so. One of the things that I learned um, over the past year and a half was that uh, when it does come to those performance conversations or just generally your career as a whole, a big uh, influence and the, the factors that contribute contribute to that growth are the people that you meet. And so when Steph and I met, I think our relationship was very much focused on like a specific project. And I think through both of our engagement together, we established a really strong relationship. And that was really beneficial in many different ways. But similarly, when you use those same approaches to people around you that you're working with, whether it's someone that's fresh out of college or very seasoned in their career, when you express interest in their growth, and offer to collaborate with them or just to provide feedback or be an e someone for them to, to talk to, it really helps establish a strong relationship. And that helps tremendously because later on, when you're asking for your peer feedback for your performance review, you can tell people, hey, would you mind giving me some feedback on this? I want to see how I did this year. Or would you mind writing a LinkedIn recommendation for me? I'm planning on applying to this job, or I'm planning on going to grad school, would you mind doing that? Or, hey, could you connect me to this director at this company? I would love to talk to them. So there's so many things that open up when you have connections, and it's important to keep them uh, nice and healthy in whichever way possible. Plus 1000, um, I know that you are involved in a lot of different projects still, because like I know you teach and um, like I know like you're, you do so many amazing things where it's like, um, I just wanted to give you room to like see if you want to share some of those projects outside of your day to day at Facebook now. Mm. Yes, I do do many things. And my dad actually told me once when I was in high school, he was like, you stretch yourself way too thin. And I was like, oh, my God, that's not true. And then. I think a year ago, I, I burnt out and I was like, oh my God, he was right. And <laughs> it was, I mean, the burnout was a combination of different things, but um, yeah, I do do a lot of things. And I think 
I don't know. They're, I'm really passionate about them because at my, I love learning and development work so much and I'm so grateful and very humbled that I get to do that for a living. Um, but I will be honest that doing that nine to five job, it only fills up my cup like 50%. The other 50% is filled by things that I am deeply passionate outside of work, which do involve learn does involve learning and development. The causes are just slightly different. Coaching the youth, undergraduate students, master students. I love doing that. Advising um, CEOs for nonprofits is another thing I'd love to do. I love volunteering. I like um, dedicating time to my community, dedicating time to understanding uh, national policy and taking action on it through different organizations. And so the one I'll speak to will be the coaching one. So Braven, it's come full circle. When I first joined them as a student, they were coaching me, but now I've returned to coach students for them. And so every semester I'm assigned a group of five to six students and I'll facilitate a range of different topics to them. Some of them professional, others more method-based topics like design thinking. Um, and I will advise them along their semester journey. And many of them have become, I mean, all of them really that I've coached have become dear friends of mine who will still reach out to me and ask me for advice. In fact, I just had one of my amazing, oh, I love him. He's so great. His name's Cameron. He just reached out to me about uh, two weeks ago. And he was the first person I told that I got a job at Facebook. I told him, I was like, I haven't told anyone this, but I'm going to tell you. And so I told him and his eyes just lit up. He's like, that's amazing. Like, I'm so proud of you. And I also got an internship at this amazing company in learning and development. And I screamed. I was like, oh my God, what? And so I was just so it was, it's an amazing, rich experience that I uh, am so privileged to be able to do. And I, I really enjoy that. I dedicate a lot of time to that organization because it, it truly changed my life in ways that I would have never imagined. And I feel so grateful to be able to be part of their journey and support their undergraduate and master's students in different capacities. Um, so yeah, that's one I'm so, so proud of. No, that's amazing. Um, what was like one of the main things that you like took away? Cause um, I know like I'm mentoring, um, you know, students as well. And so I was just curious about that. Um, like anything concrete, has it like made you better um, in your day-to-day -day, like work as well? For sure. Coaching is, is interesting because I think not everyone understands what coaching is. It's like, well, why do I need coaching? Like someone asking me questions like, yeah, it's it's someone asking questions. And so I also didn't fully understand it um, initially. Uh, but then once I got into it, I was like, okay, this makes total sense now. And it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about owning your power because you already have it. Each of us already has growth mindset and power within us. In fact, I have an article that's coming out soon through WorkRamp, the LMS I worked with. I'll send it to you girls. Um, it talks about owning that power and the learning mindset. And so when I was doing the coaching, I um, was noticing at that, that asking those questions and being that like uh, person to bounce ideas off of was like the true art of coaching where I saw many of my students, all of my students discover that power that they already had inside of them. 
and that growth mindset that they already owned, they just had to open the door for it. And so that's the beautiful thing about coaching that I've been able to carry with me into my professional work. Well, that is professional work, but like my day-to-day nine-to-five job where I am somewhat of a, have been somewhat of a coach to many individuals that I've worked with over the past few years in helping them discover that power that they already have. They just need to open the door for it. And so that is a, a unique skill that I think would many corporations would benefit from having in their organization because I think it could really unlock a lot of potential for many uh, folks as a first-gen person. Um, our, our experiences are so unique in, in many different ways. Like no one first-gen individual's experience is the same as another's, but I think that there are um, there is a level of maturity that happens early on for many first-gen individuals that they're kind of forced to figure things out really early on quickly. Like, for example, when I was a kid, I, I couldn't speak English until I was in third grade. Um, not many people know that. And I think now my English is pretty good that they wouldn't assume that, but I couldn't speak it until I was in third grade and I would get made fun of for it. And I hated my identity for such a long time because there was these kids who would make fun of it and they would make fun of me for being uh, Mexican and for having immigrant parents. And I really hated my identity until I was probably a sophomore in college, took that long. And when I took my first Mexican American studies class and I learned about my history and my ancestors, that's when it hit for me. I was like, oh my God, my identity is so beautiful in so many different ways and I'm going to own it. And so when I was growing up, uh, there's a couple of things that that happened throughout my life. But one thing that does stand out to me is, but once I learned English and I could speak it well, I began translating for my parents whenever they'd go to like medical appointments or go to do their taxes or whatever. I would be the one translating this like, you know, 10 year old kid translating for her uh, parents. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. And I think when I, when I started working, I noticed that even more in people like the first generation experience is not understood in corporate America. I think it's still an area that requires more discussion. And thankfully there's many employee resource groups that do allow for that type of conversation. And I'm eternally grateful for that um, because I, I do believe there's a lot of learning that needs to happen within that space. And so the, the advice I would provide to um, individuals who don't share that, that first-gen experience is to be curious and uh, go to these events, listen to what your colleagues have to say, and offer an ear to listen and and be present with them. You don't immediately have to jump in and say, oh my God, I'm so sorry that you experienced that. Or, oh my God, I hear you. Like, you don't have to say that. Just, just be there with me and give me the space to process. And so I would encourage those who don't have that shared experience to, to give us a little bit of slack there and, um, give us that grace to process. And for first gen or individuals, I would, I would encourage all of us to continue owning your power. And I'm going to keep going back to that because our power has been taken away from us in so many different ways. 
and we have been really at a at a at a disadvantage for many different things when it came to education, trying to get to school, figuring out school, and then getting a, a strong first job out of college, figuring out how the heck to do that and networking. How the heck do you do that? Like, that's not something my family did. Like, did they? Oh yeah, I guess they kind of did, but not in this capacity. And so give us a little bit of slack, give yourself some slack and own that power, no matter what industry you're in, no matter what type of work you're doing, own it because no one else is going to help you own it for you. Like you need to own it on your own. You need to seek out ways to develop yourself and just remind yourself of how unique of a person you are and how unique your experiences are and that any organization or team that you will work with is very lucky because they're going to have someone who has a unique perspective and who is very in tune with their own growth and the type of leadership that you are bringing into that mind. And the the one that is front and center for me is Braven. If you have a dollar to spare, whatever, no, no amount is too small to donate to that organization. Braven, bebraven.org is the website. And I'll share that in the chat with you. So you could have it. Um, they have helped my, growth in so many ways. And if it wasn't for them, I honestly don't think that I would be where I am today. And there are many students that are going through the same journey now who would greatly benefit from either a donation or from your time. So if you can volunteer, that's also amazing. And so, yeah, I will leave it at that. Okay, cool. And then like last thing, um, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Like if they need to ask questions or uh, want to get connected? You can follow me on LinkedIn. It's just Crystal Cardenas. And I, th I think, I don't know how many similar names are there, of me, <laughs> but if you just look me up and uh, filter it down to Facebook and learning delivery partner, you'll probably find me. Um, so yeah, give me a follow on there. Cool. Yeah. So, um, everyone for tuning in and listening to crystal's story as crystal mentioned you can look for her on linkedin and you can find a link to her page in the description of this episode you guys can look forward to new episodes which will be posted very soon thank you everyone